This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. It's Thursday the 15th of December. In your squiz today, Polly's meet for power plans, Scott Morrison is grilled on robo-debt, it smokes out in New Zealand, and vibing with Scrabble's update. This is your squiz today. The Albanese government's plan to bring down power prices next year looks all but set to go through Siobhan. Yesterday, the government secured support from the Greens, which was needed to pass the legislation when Parliament meets today. The new bill will see the Feds put up a 12-month price cap on gas at $12 per gigajoule, and it will be left up to New South Wales and Queensland to legislate a cap on coal at $125 per tonne. Yes, but it didn't come easy, Alice. If you remember at the start of the week, the Greens weren't on board over concerns that coal mining and gas extraction companies will receive compensation. But to sweeten the deal, the government's agreed to provide financial support to people with gas appliances to switch to electric in their home in next year's budget. Independent Senator David Pocock will also support the bill, although he's also not keen on companies like Shell and BHP receiving compensation. But Energy Minister Chris Bowen says difficult times need decisive action and the government has worked across the aisle with people of good faith and goodwill for a good outcome. That probably doesn't include the coalition, though. Leader Peter Dutton reckons the price caps will drive up power prices because gas companies will restrict their supply to the Aussie market if they can get better prices elsewhere. That's right. And the industry's echoed that, warning that the legislation will undermine investment, reduce supply and drive up power prices. There are also reports that Shell has put the brakes on taking part in a major gas deal that would prevent shortfalls along the East Coast next year, as it waits to see what the legislation does to the industry. So that could spell trouble for those who like to keep their lights on or businesses working. But PM Anthony Albanese doesn't seem worried. He reckons gas companies are jumping at shadows. That's his quote. And he also says there won't be a negative impact on investment. We'll just have to see what plays out in Canberra today. Our former PMs faced a grilling at the RoboDebt Royal Commission, Siobhan. It all went down a while ago, but that was the scheme to recover excessive welfare payments. And Scott Morrison's front and centre because he was our social services minister back when RoboDebt was introduced in 2015. Yeah, that's right, Alice. And Morrison was also PM when the controversial program was scrapped in 2019 after it was found to be unlawful. But just to back it up a bit, the automated system wrongly recovered more than $1.73 billion from 400,000 people 
and it ultimately ended up costing the government money to the tune of $1.8 billion in written-off debts and compensation paid to victims. Now, the inquiry that's going on is quite complicated, but the key question being asked of Morrison is whether he knew the legality of the scheme was in doubt from the start, and he vehemently denies that. But on Tuesday, former Human Services Minister Maurice Payne said she was aware that the legislation needed to be changed for it to operate legally, but she doesn't know why Morrison didn't know. The Royal Commission will be going for months. The hearings are set to continue until March and Commissioner Catherine Holmes is due to produce her final report by April. Siobhan, communities in Western Queensland and all Aussies really are coming to terms with the siege in Weambila on Monday that claimed the lives of two police officers and a well-meaning neighbour. And yesterday, we learned a bit more about the family behind the attack. Yeah, so there's a lot to take in with this story, Alice, but there are a couple of new pieces of information to note. The first is that former school principal Nathaniel Train, his brother Gareth and Gareth's wife Stacey have been identified as the alleged killers. Reports say the trio allegedly staged the ambush and then gunned down the police officers as they entered the property. Now, that's notable because there was a question about who was responsible for killing the officers. And the second thing is that Stacy used to be married to Nathaniel. They had two kids together before she left him to pursue a relationship with his brother Gareth. And family members have started to talk to the media. One report said the brothers had previously fallen out over Stacy. And as for the investigation, they're looking into whether the trio lured police to the property to kill as many of them as they could. Reports say they had a sophisticated surveillance system in place and that the murders may have been planned well in advance. The Kiwi government's just passed some of the toughest laws in the world to butt out smoking, Siobhan. They've banned future generations of New Zealanders from buying cigarettes. Yeah, that's right. So the new laws forbid the sale of tobacco to anyone born on or after the 1st of January 2009. And that will be enforced with some pretty huge fines of nearly $96,000. The legislation also reduces the amount of nicotine allowed in those products and will slash the number of tobacco retailers from 6,000 to just 600 by the end of next year. New Zealand's Associate Health Minister, Dr Aisha Verrill, says it means that thousands of people will live longer, healthier lives and that the health system will save billions of dollars by reducing smoke-related illnesses. And it's tipped to particularly help Maori people. They're nearly three times more likely to smoke. It's all part of Jacinda Ardern's government's push to make the country smoke-free by 2025. But not everyone is on board. Critics reckon it's all just going to encourage black market sales of cigarettes. And it's worth noting that the new laws will not apply to vaping. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic 
Pick Dam Copper Mine. It's happening now at BHP. Siobhan, I've always considered myself a bit of a wordsmith, so I love a game of Scrabble. The latest edition of the game's official dictionary has arrived and it's got 500 new words in it. Some of them are, shall we say, fairly modern. Ha, I think you're being very kind, Alice, (laughs) because they are causing ructions between orthodox wordsmiths like me, who had a very stringent English language (laughs) education, and those keen to win the game at any cost. Now, the last official Scrabble dictionary was published in 2018, but a few terms have come into popular use since then. Many come from youth slang, including adorbs, which apparently means adorable, bay for baby, inspo for inspiration, vibing, hangry, that I can get on board with, and uh, guac, but there are so many more. And word aficionado David Astle says the new list signals how omnivorous our language has become, with English constantly evolving thanks to influences ranging from text talk to foreign languages and cultures. Yeah, that might be true, but I'm still a bit undecided about the 2006 edition of Czar, which is short for pizza. (laughs) I don't know if that was ever a thing people said or if it's just a conspiracy to get an easy 11 points. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> Squiz the day, Siobhan, the next instalment of Harry and Meghan's doco drops on Netflix tonight, so there's bound to be just a tiny bit of media coverage incoming. <laughs> yeah, just a bit, I'd say. So the first three apps that dropped last week have already broken Netflix's record for its biggest documentary debut ever, and I cannot imagine the next three will be any less popular, especially as the latest trailer is painting the conclusion to the series as bringing even more drama, if you can imagine. <laughs> and this is all a perfect seg to remind you that Squish Shortcuts is out today. Claire and Kate are talking all about the royal drama that's recently unfolded, as well as what scandals the family has gotten through in the past. You can find Squish Shortcuts in your podcast app now and I'll also pop a link to it in the episode notes today. And that wraps us up for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.